I've made it. I'm on the paradise island of Koh Lanta, and I actually get to stay here at this luxurious beachside resort. Hey, I'm Achara, a 17-year-old girl from Krabby Town, Thailand. As amazing as this place is, I'm actually not here on vacation. Instead, I'm here to reunite with the boy I saved 10 years ago. I almost forgot he existed until last week when I came across a Facebook post by Thomas, a famous British swimmer, searching for the mystery girl who saved his life as a child. Thomas is currently in Thailand for business, so here I am, eager to finally see him again. I was waiting by the gate, when suddenly, sounds of rolling suitcases came from behind me. I turned around to see two girls about my age standing there. Hmm, who are they? Before I could say anything, the gate opened and a friendly woman invited us inside. According to Mrs. Danvish, Thomas's housekeeper, he had a training schedule in another city and wouldn't be back for a couple of days. Then she introduced us to each other. The short-haired girl is called Sarai, and the longer-haired girl is Kanda. Dearie me, I must say that having three girls all claiming to be Thomas's savior came as a bit of a surprise. <laughs> but I'm sure the truth will come out in the wash. Until then, please all stay here and make yourselves comfortable. So, those two girls are pretending to be me? Unbelievable! But, no problem, Thomas would soon realize I was the one he was looking for and would kick those imposters out of here. I dropped my suitcase off in my room, then went downstairs for dinner. As soon as I sat down, Sarai spoke up. <clears throat> Stop acting! I know you two fakers are just pretending to be me so you can get your hands on Thomas's fortune. <laughs> You're the fake one! Curly hair and a mole? You really have done your study, huh? OMG, these two audacious girls were getting on my nerves. At that moment, Mrs. Danvish entered, followed by the waiter with a trolley full of the most delicious looking food I'd ever laid eyes on. Now that Mrs. Danvish was here, the two imposters immediately changed their frosty attitudes to their bright smiles and sweet as pie acts. <sighs> Ladies, please help yourselves to food and drink. Then tomorrow morning, after you've all been well rested, we shall have a little chat. Um, but how am I supposed to enjoy the food when I have these two vultures glaring at me? I quickly finished my meal, then rushed back to my room. I must be well prepared for tomorrow. The next morning, a maid escorted me out to the garden for breakfast. The other two girls were already there. On seeing me, Kanda scowled at me, while Sarai made a point of sawing her knife through her omelet. I was about to help myself to some breakfast, when suddenly Mrs. Danvish appeared and said, Morning, girls. I hope you're all well rested. She sat down, then continued. Now to the main point. I'm rather curious and was wondering where you first met Thomas. Easy. It was here on this island when I was 10 years old. I was collecting shells on the beach when I met him. Busted. I was only seven years old then, imposter. Gee, a careless move over there, Conda. Thomas clearly specified in an interview that he'd been eight years old and the girl who saved him was a year younger. Yes, I met Thomas when I was seven years old. At that time, my father was a helmsman. I often followed him here, and once I spotted Thomas sitting alone on the beach. Feeling bored waiting for my dad, I came to say hi and hang out with them the whole day. That afternoon, Thomas got a cramp while swimming and he would have drowned if it wasn't for me. I saved him, then my father and I took him to the hospital. Mrs. Danvish just listened silently, and when all three of us had finished answering, she said, Indeed, the girl in question was seven at the time. So, Conda. No, I just misremembered. See, I was only seven at the time. I could easily get confused. Mrs. Danvish didn't say anything more after this, but I saw this knowing look in her eyes. Then, that night at dinner, there were only two places at the table set, and Conda never made an appearance. Seems like things are getting serious. The next morning, I was making the most of my time here by lounging around on the beach, reading my favorite book, when someone blocked out the sun. I looked up to see Sarai smirking down at me. Enjoy yourself while you can, as you'll be the next to leave. As if! You may have memorized all the information from the newspapers, but that's not going to be enough to fool Thomas. You. I saw the fury in Sarai's eyes as she raised her hand to slap me. But, huh? Someone stopped her. Standing in front of me was a tall, handsome guy. Wow, who is he? Miss, violence is not the answer. <laughs> who are you to lecture me? Actually, I'm Eli, Thomas's assistant. 
Sarai tutted under her breath and then strutted off. Um, are you okay? I'm fine. I just don't know how someone has the nerve to lie like that. We continued talking as we strolled along the beach. Eli mentioned how I was exactly as Thomas had described me. Seeing as Eli seemed to be on my side, I took the chance to ask him more about Thomas, such as what his favorite foods, colors, and movies were. Yesterday, I spoke to Thomas's housekeeper, Mrs. Danvish. She seems to know a lot about him, doesn't she? That's right. She was Thomas's nanny. Due to their busy schedules, Thomas's parents were often busy, so most of the time, Mrs. Danvish was the one taking care of him. He's very fond of her. Then Eli showed me a picture of Mrs. Danvish hugging a smiley, young-looking Thomas. Oh, so he had blonde hair when he was little? I was so lost in thought, I didn't notice a rock and tripped over it. Eli immediately reached out to study me. Then he asked if I was okay. Oh my god, what happened to me? Why is my heart thudding like crazy? That night, Sarai and I were sitting in the dining room having a stare-off as we waited for dinner. When suddenly, a man walked in holding two bouquets of sunflowers. Thomas! Oh wow, he looks even more handsome in real life. My best friend Dara should have been here to see this. I told her to come here, but she wouldn't listen to me. Before I had time to greet Thomas, Sarai rushed over and hugged him. Then she pretended to get all emotional. Finally, we're reunited. Not a day has passed when I haven't thought of you. Thomas awkwardly pushed her away, then scratched his head. Let's have dinner first and then talk about this later. The food looked delicious as always, but I had a job to do. Only, whenever I tried to say something to Thomas, that awful Sarai interrupted me. Since our first meeting, the image of a cute, brown-haired boy has been imprinted on my heart. I noticed Thomas pause and exchange a knowing look with Eli. You mean blonde, right? She thinks you had brown hair because she's never seen you when you were a kid. And that just proves she's a fraud. Thomas looked at me, stunned, then turned to Sarai in disappointment as she blurted out, It's not like that. Please hear me out. Without letting Sarai finish her sentence, Thomas sternly said, You know, I can totally sue you for impersonation and fraud. If you don't want to get in trouble, get out of here at once. Sarai looked like she was about to cry as she stuttered helplessly, then quickly got up and left. Thomas then grabbed my hand, smiled, and said, Finally, I found you. So he's weeded out the frauds. But why do I feel so guilty when I see his cheerful face? And what about Eli? Why do I find myself wishing it wasn't Thomas holding my hand right now? <sighs> the next morning, I took Thomas to my hometown and showed him around. We were walking along the shore of the Krabby River when I saw Dara waiting. There she is. I invited her to join us. This is Dara, my best friend. Dara, this is Thomas, the guy I was talking to you about. Right then, my phone started ringing. Excuse me, I've got to take this. Go ahead, guys. I'll be right back. I quickly left, but did not forget to wink at Dara and whisper to her. I did my best. Now it's your turn. I took a stroll around the area and came back to see Thomas sitting alone, looking off into the distance. Hmm, where did Dara go? Seeing me, he stood up and said, Dora had something to do, so she left early. We should leave, too. On our way back home, I couldn't help but ask Thomas, So, Dora told you everything, right? What do you mean? Oh, well, she did tell me about some interesting sports in the town. Oh, man, that means Thomas still has no clue? Silly Dora. I put so much effort into bringing him here. Oh, hey, Achara. This suddenly came to my mind. When you took me to the hospital back then, do you remember what flower you gave me? Flowers. Hmm. He got me sunflowers last time, so it must be... Of course I remember. I gave you a sunflower. I wanted to cheer you up. I was expecting a nod from Thomas, but to my surprise, he sighed and said, Actually, I just made that up. There were no flowers at all. Thomas's words got me wavered. I didn't want to end up in a position like this. Fine. If Dara chickened out of telling him the truth herself, then I guess I just have to do it. Thomas, I'm... I'm sorry. Actually... And so, I told Thomas the truth. The one who saved Thomas that day was Dara, not me. And she's in a pretty tough situation right now. Ever since her dad's accident that left him unable to take his boat out anymore, Dara's family were in terrible debt. So... 
When I saw the article where Thomas was searching for his savior, I tried to convince Dara to come forward, as he might be able to help out her family. But I can't do that. I can't let him see me in this awful state. He would presume I was only after his money. No matter how much I tried to convince her, Dara still refused to go and meet Thomas. And so I decided to disguise myself as Dara and approach you first. Then I planned to reunite you here. And she agreed to all that? No, she didn't. I carried things out all alone. I kept asking Dara for more information about the past and then spent all my savings on hair appointments and makeup to fake a mole like hers. Then I lied to my parents that I was participating in a summer camp and went to Colanta. I also arranged to meet her here today, but I guess she's still not ready to talk to you. Actually, when I saw Dara, I felt this strange connection toward her, but seeing the way she left like that, maybe she doesn't want to see me again. Oh no, what had I done? I want to bring them together, not drive them apart. Are things really just going to end up like this? It's been three days since then, and now here I am, nervously waiting for Dara in the airport lobby. I'd asked her to meet me here, but this doesn't look good. Does she really not even bother to say goodbye to me before I leave the country? Achora, seems like Dara isn't coming. I'm sorry, but we have to go. I gave a solemn sigh and pulled my suitcase when suddenly I heard someone call, Wait up! Achara! I turned around and saw Dara running towards me. Oh boy, what a relief! I quickly hid away my smile and put on a sulky expression. Oh, you're here? Thought you wouldn't come. Anyway, my boyfriend and I are off to London to meet his family. They're really eager to meet his savior, right, babe? Thank you for coming to send me off. Dara gave an awkward look. Then she took my hand and led me over so she could whisper, Achara, can I talk to Thomas in private for a minute? Yes, my plan worked. I turned to Eli and gave a thumbs up. Then we rushed off and left Dara and Thomas to talk alone. <laughs> Did you really think I would let those two idiots give up on each other so easily? No way. I had discussed it with Thomas and planned to fake a cheesy farewell at the airport, and voila, Dara finally realized her feelings for Thomas in this hit-or-miss moment, and the two of them had a happy reunion. Yay! So, what about me, huh? Well, you don't have to worry, because I might have scored this cute, handsome assistant right here. <laughs> My name's Grace, and I'm facing a hard choice. Money or love. After all, my crush promised to marry me if I got rid of my millions. But before I continue my story, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. I grew up in a wealthy family. My parents tried to never deny me anything, since I'm their only child. So, I have no idea how to live without money. Money solves everything. If you want a vacation, Buy yourself a trip to the islands. If you're seriously ill, buy yourself some expensive medicine. However, not everyone shares my opinion. Unfortunately, my crush Nasfi was one of those people. I fell in love with him a year ago, and he reciprocated. And even though Nasfi wasn't very nice to reach people, he was crazy about me. And he wasn't uncomfortable by my millions. At least, that's what I thought up to a certain point. Grace, you and I have been together for a year now. And I want to ask you to be my wife. Yes! I screamed before he could finish. Wait, I have one small condition. He took my hands. And what's that? I want you to give up your millions. What? I shrieked, and I swung my hand sharply in shock. I accidentally dropped a burning candle on the table, and the tablecloth, of course, burst into flames. And there was a fire in the restaurant. People ran out into the streets in panic. And I panicked and wondered what to do to choose money and spend my life in luxury or choose a lover and live my life in love, old clothes, and in a box on the street like a cat family. Uh-huh, Grace, Nasfi told me, money's evil. Money is opportunity and happiness. Without it, there's no life. You're wrong, and I'll prove it to you if you agree to be my wife. Either the disgusting smell of smoke had that effect on me, or it was just love that blew my head off. But I agreed to marry Nasfi and give up my favorite green bills that smell so good and rustle in my hands. My parents were shocked when they learned of my decision, but they didn't mind because they liked Nasfi 
and they respected my every wish. I left the mansion with tears in my eyes and found myself in Nasfi's old one-room apartment. Is there only one bathroom? I asked in shock. Well, yes. Is that really a problem for you? Of course it's a problem for me. Do I have to wait for him to shower every morning? And leave my personal belongings in the same drawer as his? What a nightmare. But I told Nasfi I'd get used to it. I thought the bathroom would be the only inconvenience in my new life. But I was wrong. Can you believe I had to cook for myself? I also had to clean up while Nasfi was at work. Even though I was in college during the day, my husband thought a woman should keep the house in order. I wasn't used to that. I used to have a maid do everything for me. And why should I do anything around the house all by myself? So I wanted to tell Nasfi I wasn't happy. But he came from work with a big bouquet of white roses, and he hugged me, and he told me I'd make a wonderful wife. His words made me melt, but the very next day, I was snow white again, because I couldn't figure out the washing machine. First of all, I couldn't get it to work the first time. Second of all, I put too much detergent in, and the whole bathroom was full of bubbles. Third, I threw a red stock into the white laundry. I think you can see by now that it was a disaster. I freaked out. I sat down on the floor in the foam and cried out of helplessness. I hate this life. Without money, it sucked. Grace, what's wrong? When Nasfi came home from work and saw me, he ran right over and gave me a hug. I can't live like this anymore. I can't do anything. All oh, my white clothes have turned pink. You'll learn everything, honey. The guy stroked my hand and I pushed him away from me. I'm not going to learn. I don't want to be your servant. If I'm going to live my whole life under these conditions, I choose money over marriage to you. I see. You're just like everyone else. Nasfi said grudgingly. I'm disappointed in you. I don't give a damn. The main thing is, I'll never stand at the stove again. I'll never do your laundry again. But as soon as I got back to the mansion, to my parents, and they shocked me with terrible news, my father had gone bankrupt. His company was in serious trouble. Not only were we left without millions, but our family was also heavily in debt. We sold the mansion, a collection of cars, and my mother and I's jewelry. It was enough to buy a small apartment on the outskirts of town, which was no better than Nasfi's apartment. In the end, I had to do what I did when I lived with Nasfi. Only, I had to teach it to my mother, but she wasn't a very good student. Dinner kept burning, and the iron burned through our clothes. My dad wasn't happy, and he and my mother fought all the time. All I had to do was cry quietly, because I'd lost everything. Money and love. So one night, I decided to write to Nasfi and apologize to him for my behavior. But he didn't answer my messages. And then I saw a picture of him with another girl on social media. What the hell is that? I squeezed my phone so hard that my hand cramped. My anger was so intense. I thought I was going to burn the apartment down. But instead, I tried to find out who this girl was. I looked at her social networking page and realized she was an angel from a simple family. She's a charity worker studying to be a doctor. A real Nasfi ideal, not like me. Honestly, at first, I wanted to just let it go, but I couldn't because the anger was tearing me apart. Nasfi was so quick to find a replacement for me, so he didn't love me that much. With that thought, I went to his house, and when the guy opened the door, I slapped him right in the face. Grace, are you crazy? He touched his cheek. How could you, Nasfi? I thought you loved me, but as soon as I left, you found a replacement. You left me on your own. You chose money. So what? That doesn't mean I stopped loving you. Actually, I regretted my decision right away, but I realized that money really wasn't the most important thing in life. I didn't want to tell him that my family was poor, that I wanted to move out of my parents' house so I wouldn't have to be their personal maid. Really? Nasfi was surprised, and he smiled. Well, of course. I made a pretty face, and Nasfi hugged me tight. This was the picture his new girlfriend saw. She slapped him in the face for the second time that day. I wanted to jump on her with my fists, but Nasfi stopped me and told me he'd be happy to marry me. Then why'd you start seeing someone else? 
I don't know. Probably to piss you off, Grace. You're such a jerk! <laughs> I laughed, and I patted his hair. I moved away from my parents again. Mom even burst into tears, because now all the housework was her responsibility. Nasfi and I started a new life. He even started helping me with my chores, even though he was tired after work. I guess I was happy, although to be honest, only my millions could really make me happy. But one day, I saw Nasfi talking to this girl he used to date. He handed her something, and then he hugged her. I didn't understand the situation. I ran up to the couple and pushed the girl into a puddle, and then I slapped Nasfi in the face. The guy somehow calmed me down, and then he helped the girl up. But I put her right back where she belonged, angry that my young man was trying to help her. Grace, you got it all wrong, said Nasfi. He explained that he'd given the girl her things that she'd left in his apartment. And he hugged her, because his ex-girlfriend was having a hard time with the breakup. I almost calmed down, but then my mom came over. As luck would have it, she was walking by with a bag full of groceries. Grace, my daughter! Mom threw the bags on the ground, and then she hugged me. Please come home, I'm so tired. Did something happen? Nasfi asked. Didn't Grace tell you? Our family's broke. We're not rich anymore. I have to do everything myself. Grace used to help me, but she moved back in with you so she wouldn't have to live in the same apartment with us anymore. Nasfi was shocked when he heard that. I could see the disappointment on his face because he knew I'd lied to him. So you didn't give up the money. You just ran away from your parents. No, not exactly. Nasfi, I love you. I shouted desperately. I don't want to know anything else. He laughed, and his ex pushed me into a puddle in anger. Honestly, I didn't even want to get up, because I'd lost someone I loved, who will not take me. I helped my mother carry the bags to the apartment. There was a happy father waiting for us. He told me that his business was going well. All his millions were back, and now we could buy a new mansion and live in luxury again. But I couldn't be happy, because for the first time, I realized that money wasn't my first priority anymore. Without Nasfi, it didn't make me happy at all. Even a holiday on the islands didn't take my mind off my grief. I tried to call and write to the guy, but he blocked me everywhere. That's how he caught me out of his life. I didn't know anything about Nasfi for six months until a mutual friend told me he was in the hospital. My ex was riding his bike to school and he got hit by a car. Nasfi was pretty badly injured. I rushed to the hospital right away, but they wouldn't let me in the room because I wasn't related to the guy. But we met anyway, when, after a while, Nasfi came out of the room with difficulty. Nasfi, hello! I shouted, and I waved my hand. He was shocked to see me, but he smiled anyway. We sat down in the hall, and I started an uncontrollable flow of speech. I apologized to the guy, then I told him I was miserable without him. Then I cried and admitted that he was right about the money. And I'm sorry, Grace. I was too hard on you. I didn't think it would be hard for you to change your life like that. Nasfi took my hand, and I cried again. But this time, I was happy. Our relationship was getting better. My father bought us a nice apartment with two bathrooms, and I tried not to ask my parents for money anymore, because I wanted to do everything with Nasfi. He was happy that we got back together again because all these six months, he couldn't get me out of his mind and heart. That's how I realized that money solves a lot of things, but not everything. The most important thing to have is a loving and caring person by your side. Would you give up millions for love? Write your answers in the comments. I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed. A black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room. I got up and decided to look around. Maybe it was my little brother Eugene trying to scare me, but the room was empty. Suddenly, the shadow reappeared, this time in the top corner of the room, right near the ceiling. It frightened me. I didn't know what it could be. The shadow flashed in front of me once again, disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. 
Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked mm -hmm. at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen, and lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago, and not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames, but that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors hmm. examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life. But as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along. But then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face and then hey. I saw my father and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be yes. able to see again. Uh -huh. Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. I started seeing some strange things, sometimes even creepy things that gave me the shivers. One time I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face, and then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it. So I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes, how should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked, distortion, strange visions. The man frowned. Let's examine you. He said after a long pause. I was again seated in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me and the doctor examined my eyes for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, there's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked <clears throat> Michael to help me. Michael was a hey! friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell by the look on Michael's face hmm. that he was fighting himself. Hmm. I don't know. It's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? 
We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, Michael said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, why don't we find a back room where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Okay. Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet was cramped, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward. Michael said, yeah. I agreed, but then I added, shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes, and then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked. Well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got, and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty and we crawled out of the closet, eagerly breathing in fresh air. We stretched our stiff legs and arms. Having come to our senses, we headed out on a search mission. At night, the clinic looked creepy. Everything was dark, with only a few dim lights on. What we needed was an archive where they kept all the patient's records. Surely my file would have some record of my donor. I already knew where it was, so we headed over there without looking in every room. Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Said Michael. Over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second floor. We were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on a flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, I said to Michael, and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R. Robinson. Hold the light and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped and then he called out loudly. There! Hush! They'll hear us! Suddenly there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it, Hmm. came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded, and I finally asked, Did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, Come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay. I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office. Walk down the hallway towards the stairs so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the guard into the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them, an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move. Then the shadows lunged at me and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs. Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us, but he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me, but there were no shadows. I stopped, and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, Were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern, and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. 
When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I, but who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. We went back home. Mom and dad were worried because I never came home from school. But I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new surgery. Luckily this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. No, I'm not going to give up that easily. I thought, as I sat in the cave, no one would find me here for sure, except for the group of tourists who'd come here on a field trip. Not only that, I found myself in a terribly uncomfortable situation because I was in a filthy cave in my wedding dress. I got kicked out of there in disgrace. It turned out that I was hiding in the tourist zone. Whoever thought of doing tours in caves? It stinks and is boring as hell. But as soon as I got outside, I was immediately picked up by my fiancé Jacob's men. Oh man, now I really have to get married. Hi, my name's Lily and my mom's making me get married so I don't have to be dependent on her anymore. My mother should get the Mother of the Year award because she's done enough to annoy me over the past year and also caused me serious injury. It's her fault I broke my arm because she made me work as a janitor in the winter and then one morning when the power went out all over town, I slipped in the dark, fell down and blacked out and when I woke up, I had a cast on my arm. I was in terrible pain but instead of words of encouragement, my mother said, You did it on purpose so you wouldn't have to work. Do I look crazy? No, you're just lazy. You're useless. You can feel sorry for my mother. She's got such a grown-up daughter who's still not working. But the thing is, we're pretty well off and we don't need anything. But my mother got it into her head that I have to work because I'm 18 years old now. The thing is, her friend's daughter has been working since she was 16 and helping the family. And my mom hears from her friend all the time about how great her daughter is. And then she blows her brains out that I should set an example. So adopt her. I once got angry. I'm not gonna sacrifice my time for your whims. I'm actually at university, and if I work, I wouldn't have time to study. That's just an excuse, Lily. If you wanted to, you could find a way. I don't want to, so leave me alone. But mom was determined not to give up. And I found out the next morning when I got into the shower and cold water was pouring down on me. I screamed so loud. The whole neighborhood must have heard me. I ran out of the shower right away and I yelled at my mom and she just shrugged her shoulders and said that the water had been cut off for non-payment because I don't work. So there's no hot water for me. Of course, I knew my mother turned off the heater herself by turning the valve. What are you talking about, daughter? I just didn't have the money to pay the water bill, and no one helps me financially. Soon, we probably won't even have electricity. I got really pissed off, and I had to go to my friend Melissa's house to take a shower. I felt really uncomfortable, but luckily, she understood. Melissa thought my mom was wrong, but I wasn't just lying on the couch all day with my phone on all day. I'm in school, and I'm an A student. Then my mom started selling stuff that I wasn't buying with my allowance. It was my money, so I'm entitled. Mom, you're crazy. We're doing fine. Why are you ruining it? You don't want to hear me. You don't want to understand me. I was able to get my laptop back, but I had to say goodbye to my old console, a fitness watch, and a new leather jacket. But even that didn't break me because I kept standing on my ground. My studies would come first, even if I had no fight with my mom about it. And then I had an unexpected surprise. I came home from the university and I saw a beautifully set table. Mom even bought me a new dress. What's the catch? Are you going to take it away tomorrow?
Of course not, honey. Get dressed. We have guests coming over. A family visited us. I immediately noticed a very handsome boy. It turned out to be my mother's colleagues and their son. The guy was shy, but that only added to his charm. He and I had a nice chat about games, movies, and studying. I really liked the guy, but only until I found out something. My mom has a thing for talking loudly on the phone. She thought I'd gone to bed, but in fact, I was finishing my literature essay. And that's when I heard that it wasn't just guests. Turns out, our parents want to marry us. What? But why would mom do that? What's she up to? I ran out of the room right away. I reached the phone out of her hands, and I threw it at the wall, feeling like I was the coolest agent 007 ever. I heard that. What are you up to? If you don't want to work and help me, then you're going to get married. So you don't have to sit on my neck anymore, Lily. I was so shocked. I stood there like an ice gold statue for a minute. When I came to myself, my mother had already locked herself in the bedroom. No, this is too much. I'm not marrying anyone. Never. Meanwhile, my mother called the family back in for dinner. I dressed up like a real goth. I climbed up on the table. I threw away all the food, and then I started singing Rumstein songs. Well, that's just to scare the guests. You guys are crazy, like the Adams family, the man exclaimed. And we have a coffin in the closet, I said, and I laughed wickedly. The guests immediately ran away in terror, and then I ran out of the house to avoid the hot hand of my wicked mother. I hid at Melissa's and told her everything. My friend suggested an interesting theory. Your mother probably wants you to work for a reason. Maybe she really does have some problems that you don't know about. That seemed like a sensible idea to me. The next day, I went through my mother's things. And I found something interesting. Turns out, about six months ago, she got mixed up with scammers, who scammed her out of a lot of money. So that's why she wants me to go to work so bad. Mom has debts that for some reason I have to pay off. When I told Mom that I knew her secret, she was able to get away with it. I needed money for a gift, you act so hard for an electric scooter. But I didn't ask to go into debt. That's your problem. We argued for a long time. And the very next day, another fiancé came to visit us. Very wealthy, handsome, but terribly spoiled. I didn't like him at first sight, but my mother begged me to marry him. We'll settle our debts, and then you'll get a divorce. You might even get something in the divorce. Do it for me. No way. However... That guy didn't know how to take no for an answer, and he got us married. But I wasn't going to give up either. So I ran away from my own wedding and hid in a cave. And then, you know the rest. And when we danced the first dance, he purposely stepped on my feet. And I responded by throwing a piece of cake at him, as a joke. The guest laughed. I laughed too. But Jacob, on the other hand, he was furious. Believe me, I did everything to get him to divorce me. I ruined his food. I burned his clothes with an iron, and once I sold cheaply through an online store for the goods he was supposed to ship to his business associates in another country. But Jacob remained undeterred. At least, that's what I thought, until we had a social evening. Jacob came on stage, told me how much he loved me and cherished me, and then he showed people a slideshow of wedding photos. Except it wasn't wedding photos. They were mine, shameful ones, which the whole society saw. Now you've lost, Jacob said angrily. Then he came up to me. Let's just get a divorce. I'd love to, except our parents signed a contract, and I have to put up with you for a year. A year? I couldn't believe my ears. I can hold back the tears of despair. Jacob didn't even feel sorry for me. Just like that, I was all alone. It was good that I could go to the university and get support from Melissa. But my mom didn't see how miserable I was. She talked me into staying with Jacob forever because he's insanely rich and he certainly wouldn't skimp on gifts and expensive things. There's no way in hell I'm staying with that jerk, I screamed. The year went by unbearably slowly and I finally got my divorce. In the divorce, I had no claim on Jacob's family money, but he gave me $200,000 himself. Buy yourself a house and move away from your crazy mother. My ex-husband said 
And then he added, I'm sorry about what happened. It's been a sucky year for both of us. That's for sure, but thanks for the money. I could use it. After the divorce, I immediately bought a house on the coast. It wasn't a new one, but I didn't care. My mother wanted to move in with me. She'd always wanted to move out of that cramped apartment and into a house of her own. Oh no, I'm going to live here alone, I said. Lily, how could you do this to your own mother? How could you do this to your own daughter? You got yourself into debt, and you made me pay it off without thinking about my schooling or what I wanted. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't have this house. I'm the one who made you marry Jacob. Yes, and that was a terrible year, too. Even that 200000 wouldn't make up for it. I don't want to see you. I closed the door in front of my mother, and I cried. I was very hurt that she couldn't understand me, and it hurt even more that I would no longer be able to communicate with her. My mother had betrayed me. Melissa and I renovated my new house together, and then one night... Jacob showed up at my door. Did something happen? Yeah, I don't have anybody to talk to, and I have a problem. Jacob told me his business is failing, and he has nowhere else to go, because all his friends and majors had turned their backs on him. My friend wanted him out, because she knew how he humiliated me at that social gathering. No, he's staying. And even though my ex-husband and I weren't friends, he gave me money after the divorce, and helped me move out of my mother's house. I helped Jacob come to his senses after he lost his business. I also suggested a good idea for a startup. He loved the idea, but I had to sell the house to make it happen. Melissa thought the guy was going to screw me, but Jacob didn't. Instead, he took a cut, and now we're making money together from the business. The business helped us get closer and become friends. However, no amount of money helped me to reconcile with my mother. She was now resentful of me, but I didn't want to crawl on my knees in front of her either. But I hope that in future, we can forgive each other. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... This was like a dream come true. That gorgeous man in front of me is Ethan. My crush since I was just 14. Back then, Ethan was my dad's business partner. So he'd often come over to our house for dinner. For years, I adored him in secret. But now, at 19, I could finally be honest about my feelings. So when I ran into him by chance in the grocery store, I felt like it was meant to be. He invited me for a drink in the cafe nearby, and we instantly hit it off. We started dating, and now we're an official couple. There's just one thing that worries me. Ethan is recently divorced and has a 10-year-old daughter, Clarice, who he has full-time. While daydreaming, I couldn't hide away from the thought of being someone's stepmom. Oh my, I didn't want to become a mom yet. Don't worry, Clarice is a cute kid. I just know you two will get along. Clarice gave me a devious smile the moment she saw me. Another fish got hooked. Huh? Hey, that's not the right manner. Apologize, now! Ethan immediately said. Clarice let out a loud, Ugh! Then reluctantly apologized. Great! When has it ever been easy to be friends with a naughty ten-year-old girl? I understand this better than most, as I have a little sister. She's either giving me a headache or crazing at me for candy, and I could tell that Clarice was going to be no different. <sighs> One day, Ethan called me in a panic, saying he had an urgent business trip. They informed me at the very last minute. I didn't have time to find a babysitter. Can you help me take care of Clarice for a few days? What? I've only just met the girl, and now I have to mind her for a few days? I still didn't know what to say when Ethan continued. I'll make it up to you after this. And then, the next thing I knew, Clarice was at my front door. Oh gosh, somebody help me! 
Well, you know those girls that age, like my little sister? I kept pouring out while Mike just smiled and slightly shook his head. I have to make her like me to win over Ethan. So, lovely Mike, can you please come hang out with us? Seriously? Please? Aren't you good with the ladies? Fine. You know I can't say no to you. I took Clarice to a theme park. She frowned the moment she saw Mike. Um, who's this? I don't like strangers. I smiled and said, This is Mike. He's really cool and I don't care. Cindy? What kind of situation did you drag me into? Man, I had to ask myself that question. This wasn't what I envisioned it to be. The outing turned into a competition between them. Clarice challenged Mike to play game after game with her until she won. In the end, they played with the water guns, and I knew for sure Mike let her win. But as soon as he let go of his water gun, Clarice squirted water all over him, leaving him completely drenched. Oops. What on earth is this? That's the price for the loser. <laughs> okay, Cindy, that's enough. Have fun. And he stormed off. Oh no, what have I done to him? I stood there dumbfounded, staring at Clarice. Okay, so it was kind of funny, but I couldn't laugh at my poor friend. I want ice cream! Clarice grinned, then skipped away. Hmm, ice cream. A girl after my own heart. On the way home, we talked so much about her fave show, The Babysitter's Club, and how Stacy is her favorite character. Hmm. Maybe the day wasn't so bad after all. A few days later, Ethan returned, and I was really excited to see him. Thank you so much for taking care of Clarice. Meanwhile, I noticed Clarice was slowly backing out, with an awkward look on her face. I thought she'd be as happy as me to see him, but it didn't seem that way. Darling, are you okay? Are you sick? I... I'm okay. I need to go to my room. After that, at dinner, the question, are you sick, was raised no less than ten times, and it made me feel sick too. I said I'm not sick, and I don't want to see a doctor. Ethan, I think Clarice is fine, so maybe stop asking her. Hearing that, Ethan seemed uncomfortable and turned away. Weird. What was wrong with them? Maybe this was just something they did. Hmm... Whatever it is, I wasn't enjoying this heavy atmosphere. The next day after lunch, Clarice was helping me clean the table while Ethan was packing to go on his next trip. She insisted on washing the dishes while I said goodbye to Ethan. We were hugging in the doorway when suddenly I heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. Ethan and I both rushed in there and saw Clarice crying as she gripped her hand. Ethan frantically asked, What happened? while I quickly searched for a first aid kit. I was washing the dishes, but I accidentally cut my hand. Cindy, I'm sorry. I wasn't being careful. Please don't punish me. What? What was she talking about? Ethan seemed to have the same question as me. Cindy always makes me do the chores. She told me if I do them badly, I can't have dinner. Huh? Why was she saying things that weren't true? Turning pale with shock, I muttered out, No, that's not true. I, I don't want to stay here. Dad, let me go home. Clarice interrupted me as she was crying harder. I'm so sorry, but I have to go now. I don't even know if you're lying or not. How can you say that to me? Clarice shouted. You monster! Then she ran upstairs. I stood there not knowing what to do. My brain couldn't process what just happened. Ethan looked at me and sighed. Why didn't he say anything? He didn't honestly think I was capable of doing that. Did he? I decided I needed to confront Clarice about this. So I went up to her room and calmly said, Clarice, why did you say that? You forced me to do all the chores. What? How can you lie like that? I never do such a thing. Oh, but are people going to believe you or a poor little girl? Oh, my God. There was me, 
thinking she was a sweet kid, when in actual fact, she was the complete opposite. I rushed outside and, shaking, I pulled my phone out. I called Mike and told him everything. Oh boy, that kid is complicated. Maybe she doesn't want you to be with her dad. But even so, what she did was weird. I think you should stay away from them. But how to? I couldn't just run away. Besides, Ethan was on his trip, again, and I was in charge of her. So I kept my distance, no more talking or having fun, but it seemed that Clarice had other ideas. I was watching TV in the living room when Clarice appeared and pulled my shirt. Cindy, I want you to play video games with me. The more silent I was, the harder she pulled. No, Clarice, I'm not in the mood. I shouted. Go play by yourself. Then I walked off. A few minutes later, Cass, a senior student, came over to give me some documents. We sat down and had some iced tea. Then suddenly, bam, and a cry. Oh no. Cass and I rushed to the noise. Clarice had fallen down the stairs in the basement and was surrounded by the laundry basket and dirty clothes. Cass quickly ran down there and helped her up. Are you okay? What happened? Cindy told me to do the laundry in time. The basket was so full, so I slipped. No, no, no! I screamed inside my head when Cass gave me a concerned look. Cass, please, I'll explain later. Can you please leave? Why? I screamed at Clarice's face the moment Cass left. If you don't play with me... You'll be a child abuser. You'll have to go to jail. Ugh, this is driving me crazy. Just a few days ago, she wanted her dad to take her away from here, and now she's blackmailing me for not playing with her? Right at that moment, Ethan called. Hi, Cindy. I just want to check on you two. Is Clarice sick or anything? Ugh, what on earth is this? Am I crazy? Or are these two actually weird? OMG. I need Mike. Now. Please, take me away from here, I said as I opened the door for Mike. Stop! Clarice shouted. You two can't go anywhere! Oh, now you're telling me what not to do? If you go, I'll tell the whole world how badly you've been treating me. You'll both go to jail. So that's your scam? Her smirk disappeared. She turned pale and stuttered. No, it... it was my dad's. Your dad's scam? Clarice looked flustered as she realized what she had just blurted out. Then she quickly covered it up. Nothing! Mike sat down and looked at her with stern eyes. I stood there, waiting for the answer. I... um... my daddy made me! Eventually, Clarice confessed. Turns out... Ethan was a professional scammer who scams young, wealthy girls into giving him money. Worse, he dragged his daughter into his scheme. The plan went like this. He used his handsome looks to flirt with the girls, then Clarice's cuteness to get the girls' empathy. After that, he would go on some last-minute business trip and ask them to take care of Clarice. Meanwhile, Clarice would pretend to be seriously sick. When Ethan arrived back, he would persuade the girls to hand over money for hospital fees, then he and Clarice would disappear out of their lives. At first he told me to do what he said and he'd get me a bike. What about the abusing lie you made up? I asked, still shocked. I made up that excuse so Dad would take me away. I really like you, so I don't want his plan to work. Then why did you continue to act up? Because Cindy was mad at me. And I wanted her to play with me, so I pulled that trick again. Tears streamed down my face. Unbelievable! I voluntarily stepped into his trap right at the beginning. He didn't even have to do much. I felt like such an idiot. After that, we exposed Ethan. Clarice helped us too. Turns out, he's bankrupt, which is why his wife left him and why he's no longer my dad's business partner. Ethan was arrested, but Clarice's mom was out of the country, and she refused to return for her daughter. To be honest, 
I love Clarice, and I didn't want her to live in the orphanage. So I let her live at my place for a while before I told my parents everything. Obviously, my parents have more capacity and power to deal with this. It took a while for Clarice to get over her guilt and settle in, but now we get on better than ever. She's a sweet, cute girl who deserves far better than her parents have given her. Then one day, I came back home from college to find Clarice placing some roses on the dining table, which was already romantically set up with candles and steak. Cindy, you're back! How can you prepare a full dinner like this? Clarice didn't say anything. She just giggled and ran to her room. Someone hugged me from behind. Would you mind being my date tonight? It was Mike. Thinking about it, I guess my perfect man was right under my nose this entire time. So, grinning, I turned around and replied, I thought you'd never ask. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by...